Welcome to Sega Saturn Shiro, the only podcast that plays in all directions. Tonight's Shiro's are Nick, Ben, Peter, Dave, Kay, and myself, Pat. Uh, before we begin, why don't we start on some uh, personal updates? Uh, did you want to start us off, Nick, with uh, what's been going on in the world, wonderful world of wizardly Nick stuff? Yes, the wizarding world of being Nick. Uh, it's been pretty good, actually. First off, uh, Pat, our gracious host here, uh, he was building a new PC and with some of his older parts, built me a PC on a deal. So, uh, and it's been it's been serving me pretty well uh, for sure. So, been really enjoying that, messing around with the VR with that. Unrelated to that, my Oculus Quest, I was able to get Half Life One on it. And that distracted me so much that I almost missed this podcast because I was busy playing it and kind of forgot what time was. So yeah, it's all in its 1998 graphics glory. It's just that it's in VR. So you're there, you actually swing the crowbar. Um, so that's been pretty good. Was the AI self-aware in that version? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> gotcha. No, not yet. Not yet. It'll get there. Um, and then Pat and I also did a couple of interviews with a couple of Saturn devs. First one we talked to was Paul Kirchin. He was responsible for porting SimCity 2000. He and a few other people who were uh, part of Max's Studio One. That was the name of their team. And that'll be in the next Pandemonium review, which I'm also working on. Script's pretty much done. And now I'm just going to be editing it. We also interviewed Charles Tolman. He was one of the uh, people involved with Time Warner Interactive's VR Virtual Racing kind of a mouthful of a title um first time sega let a third party take care of a virtual racing game they ported the game along with adding seven new tracks a bunch of new cars and he had some wild stories about how they ported it kind of a lot of surprises in that one and that will be in a review coming up as well so and then um so those were pretty good interviews Uh, and thanks again pat for taking part those so and then lastly i finally started playing shenmue i'm on disc two i'm almost at the point where you get a job doing forklifting so oh man you're in for you're in for a real real treat oh i am i am have you started looking for sailors yet i've i've already looked for sailors i already asked people if they knew anything about chinese people um what about the three blades i did ask about the three blades yes (laughs) i already did all that and black uh, car uh, yes, I asked about the black car. Did you and, feed the kitty? Uh, no, I did not feed the kitty. I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid I have not. Maybe I'll have to figure out how to do that here. Maybe I've already passed that window of opportunity. Got any capsule toys? <laughs> I did. In fact, I probably got too many of those. I think yes. like every in-game day, I got at least five. So <laughs> uh, basically, I get the allowance from uh, Ine-san, and then I go spend it all on capsule toys so that was pretty much that it's been fun the dialogue's great <laughs> so yeah actually a quick plug uh, we actually interviewed the voice of rio and uh the other person from shenmue too but we ben and i didn't interview him that's on the shiro U- uh, youtube channel it's called shiro to e3 right ben yeah yeah that's correct but yeah that was a that was a pretty fun interview and we actually we even uh appeared in an interview where basically he was talking as rio hazuki Asking those silly questions in a Adam Korlick video, which you can also look up. Oh, it was great, except I completely forgot everything about Shinmu in that moment, and I could not remember any of the things we were looking for. And he kept asking about the sailors, and I just completely, I, 
blanked out, had no idea what to say at that point because I couldn't remember what the responses usually were because that's what I was trying to think up and I just, ah, whatever. You should have been, hey, mister, do you want to play a game? Hey, mister, want to wrestle? <laughs> or that, do you yeah. have a tattoo? <laughs> do you know anybody with a tattoo? I like yeah. shopping at the Tomato Mart. Tomato Mart is pretty good. I, I don't know. I still think that the, uh, was it the, the pizza parlor? That theme song needs to be a number one hit. <laughs> it's a classic. Dun, dun, a pizza. Moving right along. Yeah. What about you, Mr. Ben? All right. So I've had a bunch of things going on in the gaming world. Uh, the first thing that's pretty notable entry is I was able to get a pre-order on a PS5. Um, that was interesting. As the first thing I tried to do was go down to the GameStop. Uh, I tried calling him first, but the busy signal for about 10 minutes. And so I was just like, hey, I'm just going to go drive down that way. Because um, a buddy of mine works there. No big deal. And so I get over there, and he just throws his arms in the air. And I know exactly what he's uh, referring to. And he gets off the phone. He's like, I don't have any. I know why you're here. Um, we completely sold out in less than five minutes. And there's been so many people coming in and calling. And I was like, okay, no problem. Well, in the meantime, after that, uh, I was trying to get one on Target. And I was able to actually get one through Target. So that actually worked out. So a PS5 through Target. We'll just see how that goes. Yeah, same here. I uh, I got mine through Target. I tried. I, that's funny. We have the same mentality. I tried calling GameStop. And it was just a busy signal. And just no. Actually, no, they, no even a busy signal. They just hung up on me. Constantly just <laughs> hanging up and hanging up on me. So I managed to get one through Target as well, so hoping it all goes well and I can play some Demon Souls and neglect my duties to this cast yet again. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, for me, it's uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that one's going to be sweet. Oh, God, yes. So let's see, that's on the pre-order side, but I actually canceled something Saturn-related, unfortunately. It was the uh, Polymega that I was had pre-ordered since day one when the pre-orders went up on the website. But what ended up making the decision for that was the fact that they've basically delayed uh, the release of that at least five times. And they've always said, oh, it's coming this month. Oh, it's next month. Oh, it's... And it just got to a point where I just kind of lost interest waiting because now we're in the phase of new consoles coming in. I've got to, I got to pick where my money goes and that just... It lost it because now I also, another thing that came in from order was my mode came in. And so I'm putting my mode in my high Saturn. And so that way I'm going to have all the Saturn that I want in real hardware. And so it just kind of lost its appeal for the Polymega. And uh, I, I wish them well, but uh, we'll see what happens when it actually gets released as far as that goes. Um, let's see. As far as games that I'm playing, I just started up Hexen again. And uh, for those of you who don't know what Hexen is, it's basically like a um, doom, but with a angle of magic and, you know, mayhem in that sort of field. So you got all this fantasy stuff and you can cast spells at people. It's just wonderful. But now Pat doesn't like it. Pat thinks it's crap, but I, I've always enjoyed Hexen. It's a good comic, but I don't know about the game. Well, he also thinks Mr. Bones is crap too. So yeah, I, yeah, I, and and uh, and uh, what's the other the other uh, swagman? Yeah, I remember. I remember. I, I talked bad on that one too. But Pat, Mr. Bones loves you. Yeah, but we all have a we all have Mr. Bones on the inside. 
I had the opportunity to play Hexen recently in link-up mode. So that was interesting. I had two copies of the game, two Saturns, two TVs, and the link cable. And so I was able to give it a try. You have to enter a secret code or whatever because the uh, uh, link-up deathmatch wasn't fully implemented. And so the Saturns do link, they do connect, and you can start a game, pick what map you're going to play and what have you. But it's very broken, so you do see uh, some code kind of scrolling through. It does stutter and occasionally crash. And if you do end up getting into a position where you can see the other player, you can see them taking actions. So, like, for example, if they walk through a door, if they pick something up, then the door will open and you'll see that the, uh, you know, the icons they've picked up disappear from your perspective, but you can't actually see the other player or interact with them in any way. So you could tell that they tried to get it to work and that they were almost successful, but it just never never got completed. But it's still, that's super cool. Good stuff. Did you want to tell us about what you've been up to, Mr. Peter? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So uh, one thing that I finally got uh, out of the way is I burnt myself a patched copy of Lunar Silver Star Story. I mean, aside from just trying it out and making sure that it works on real hardware, which uh, I was successful, I haven't actually uh, had a chance to dive into the game. It's sort of on my back catalog of games to play. Uh, But one game that I've sort of been trying to burn through is the Shining Force 3 trilogy. And it's actually uh, not just the regular trilogy, patched in English, of course, but it's the special widescreen hack. And I picked this set of discs up from K at PRGA last year, actually. And so the difference between the version I've gotten and the retail versions is that the battles aren't, like the screens aren't bordered anymore. You get full screen, whether it's uh, in the battle sequences or just in the overworld. So there were tiny borders uh, in the overworld and there were slightly larger borders on the uh, 3D polygon battle screens, but those are all gone in the in the hack. So that's, uh, that's been really cool. Um, aside from that, I picked up a copy of Virtual On for Dreamcast and Doom for 32X. And I haven't had a chance to play either of them yet, but I've kind of wanted both of them uh, for a while, so that was cool. And just one last thing I'll mention real quick. Um, I've had to take apart a couple of my Saturns because one of them had stopped powering up, and I was pretty sure it was a PSU issue, like a power supply uh, problem. And sure enough, the power supply unit I had in one of my units, just it was snapped right in half, so... Um, but I was able to open up uh, a different Saturn, and it was the exact same uh, board revision. Everything was the same, so I swapped the uh, good power supply unit from the one Saturn into the other just to make sure it would all work up, and it did. So really now I'm just on the hunt for uh, an alternate power supply unit. But it was really neat because I took apart two uh, round-button Saturns. They were pretty clean inside. The board was nice and, and tidy. Everything was good. And then just for fun, I took apart... Um, a Saturn model with the oval buttons, and it was one of the earlier units um, that I have. And oh my goodness, what a mess it is on the inside. Uh, not as it is dirty or old or anything, but we've got a motherboard and a daughter board and several other sort Over of design. Yeah, and like the PSU unit is actually um, screwed into the upper lid of the unit. Like it's just, it was unbelievably complex and over-engineered and like you, you'd almost think that it was almost sentient. That's how advanced it seemed, right? But uh, <laughs> compared to the, the revisions uh, of yeah. the later models, which were clean and slick and just essentially one board, it was super easy. Like it was, it was just unreal. What a difference from the very first units to these later units that uh, uh, that were produced. So that was just a really neat experience for me. 
Yeah. When you say the PSU was snapped in half, are you talking about the part where you insert the plug on the back or no, inside? Inside the actual little sort of, you know, uh, uh, circuit board. So it got cracked in half. And I have a feeling really? it's because I dropped the unit. And so oh. that's probably what did it. And I mean, what you know what? But I'm lucky. I'm lucky. It's just the power supply unit because there you can, you can get a Pico. There's a couple other aftermarket power supply units that you can get, um, and you're good to go. It's not that the main motherboard cracked or anything like that. So I, you know, I'm not going to complain too much. Cool. I gotcha. I'm glad you glad you got that all sorted though. Mm-hmm. For the most part, are you ordering the Pico soon or? Um, yeah, but I did. Uh, I went online and I just asked folks, and there's a there's a second alternative that I'm going to look into, and the name escapes me right now. I think it's called ReSaturn, actually. And so I just I need to I guess look into uh, the pros and cons of of both of them, and just pick which one would be the better one, and and just order it. Sounds good. Let us know how that turns out. I know I've heard mixed things on the Pico. If you let us know how the new one is, and maybe we can start recommending that one. What about uh, what about you, uh, Mr. Dave? What have you been up to? Uh, other than doing the the daddy stuff <laughs> for the kids, I'll be honest. I've I haven't been playing a lot of Saturn. I've actually been playing a lot, hell of a lot of Pokemon in different forms, trading cards, the Poke Park games with my kid. You know, because like when he's done with his schoolwork, that's kind of his reward. Uh, so we play that together. But actually, I've been playing a lot of 3DO lately, and I've been uh, I've been playing this game. Wing Commander 3, Heart of the Tiger, which has Mark Hamill in it. Um, it's it's a lot of fun, actually. It's kind of an FMV, and then there's, like, flight sections and stuff like that. But that's been fun. And uh, I know we had that podcast with TJ Davis, so that was a thrill, uh, getting to talk to her about Sonic R. And then uh, other than that, just uh, did up a logo for lo- uh, vasectomy software uh, for XL2. And he, it was good. <laughs> it actually was just a thought that I had. I was like, hey, this is funny. I'm going to throw this on the cover. And he's like, hey, can I use that? So, yeah, he, he went ahead and put it in the game, and it's in the intro now. There's, like, there's this very Quake-esque Saturn intro with the 3D room that spins, and uh, the logo is there on the wall, so that's kind of cool. It's it's basically a uh, was a crosshair on some guy's uh, nether Red regions. Sack. Yeah, yeah, like a full on vasectomy. Jesus, first person but, shooter style. No more kids. <laughs> that's that's like some running with scissors logo stuff right there. Yeah, that's the idea. I I can dig it. I, re- I really like that that logo. It was a great it, logo. Very silly. Yeah, that's it though for me. Gotcha. What about UK? Did you want to talk a little bit? So uh, Saturn wise. Um, I picked up uh, uh, like a, a dev Saturn uh, besides my PsyQ. Uh, so, and I also got the cart dev revision B. So I have like 90% of a dev kit functional. And that was kind of nice. Uh, and then my quest for uh, Screams Volume 2 basically ended. I still need the uh, cardboard sleeve, but I was able to pick up the disc. And I dumped that for redump, which is where I've been spending a lot of my quote-unquote free time. Um, we've been just focusing a lot of verifications for the redump project and uh, picking up you know, some oddities here and there. So I've got a large amount of uh, sampler games coming in from Japan at some point uh, just to do verifications on. Yeah, everything's sort of backed up on that. I, I it took me three months to get the uh, to get some 
to get something I'll talk about later in the cast. But uh, yeah, it took me three months for that, and I ordered some laser discs, and that's going to take another three months too. Uh, yeah, everything's taking the, forever. Yeah, it's mostly because EMS doesn't ship out to America right now, so it's all mm-hmm. boat by boat, so it's a three-month wait at the minimum. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy there. Um, so the last two things I kind of wanted to mention. Um, I had heard a couple of casts back. Someone had mentioned uh, 428 Shibuya Scramble. I was really interested in that game long long time ago and i bought it i want to say in december maybe and uh if you have not played it it's the essentially a, a sequel to machi um on the saturn and it's fantastic if you like visual novels uh it is it's really really good and there's a lot of references to um you know, sega and uh the arcade scene in there so uh, if you want somewhat of a, an oddball experience on a PS4, uh, or I think it also came out on the Wii, but not in English, uh, 428 Shibuya Scramble is pretty decent. I'll pick that one up. I, I'm looking for more PS4 games. Do you know if it was only like a digital download, or is, is there a physical copy for that? There was physical copy, but it because it was like such a niche game, it's very limited release. Um, gotcha. It was on sale digitally, like, I want to say for 20 bucks um, back at one of the winter sales that PSN had. Um, and then the last major Saturn-related thing, any of you listeners who remember me from back in the day know that uh, my two favorite Saturn games are Street Fighter Zero Three 3 and Fire Pro Wrestling Six Men Scramble. Recently, a gentleman by the name of Malenko on the Sega Extreme forums uh, has started a translation project, and uh, that was for Fire Pro, and I got involved. So I'm doing a lot of the beta testing and screenshotting for the translation project for Fire Pro. Uh, Malenko is doing uh, direct translation and hex editing new tiles in so that it's readable. And Slinga, also known as Sloop, uh, Superfly, uh, has been writing some scripting work to allow us to inject uh, some of our translation work directly into the first bin. It's really kind of cool how it worked out, like how the save data works and the fact that we can inject um, our own edit wrestlers into uh, the stock wrestler positions. Um, translation work is going overall pretty well. He had a, like one game-breaking bug. Um, and we've had some builds out to test them out. So if you happen to be interested in a 25-year-old wrestling game that hasn't aged exactly well, uh, check out that translation project. Yeah, I think we... Didn't we play that on the stream a couple... Uh, about a year back? You did. Yeah, we did. Yes, I remember that. That was pretty that fun. Was, yeah, I think it was for the... Um, for the Saturn anniversary, we all kind of did a bit of streaming, and I remember Fire Pro was on, for sure. Yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me that that would have been the one that I, I did, because I keep talking it up. But, and, I mean, to be honest, right, like, with a critical lens, the Fire Pro series has much improved since its days on the Saturn. If you picked up, like, the current iteration, it's on PS4 and it's on Steam. Um, customization, uh, animation, graphics quality... The ability to download moves, the ability to create edits and trade them online 
is far beyond what the Saturn was ever capable of. But so far, to my knowledge, not a single other version of Fire Pro has six-player tag team action. So Nice. Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to give it a shot because I, I liked it, but it, it seemed heavily Japanese to, for a person that hasn't played it before that doesn't do it. But I'm definitely interested in checking checking out the beta and trying that out for sure. It's it's gonna appeal more to people who are like into Fire Pro, and if you know about the Fire Pro history, like I'm I'm a quote unquote closeted wrestling fan from uh, like the mid '90s, um, and that's when this game came out, which is why it appealed to me. Uh, but the the lineage of the Fire Pro series goes all the way back to like pro wrestling on the NES, like it's the same guys and same styling, so. Yeah, if, nice. if you happen to like wrestling games and you know don't mind not having the latest and greatest 3D graphics, this is definitely one to pick up, especially if you're into creating your own characters. Nice. Definitely looking forward to that. That should be exciting. Yeah. Um, in terms of some some of my updates, I uh, I got a new PC set up for recording and editing. Also, Cyberpunk. Totally not because of Cyberpunk, but you know for the productivity work, right? <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I got that all set up, so I'm very excited to, to get that going. Rendering will not take 20 hours, so it's going to be sweet. Thank you for getting a new PC. Yes, you're welcome. I've <laughs> uh, been playing, uh, being, I, I guess the specs, I guess it has a 3900X uh, AMD Ryzen 9, and I have a 2070 Super GPU in there. So it's it's pretty beefy, so I'm hoping, hoping it'll future-proof a little bit, but once this cast is... 10 years old, I'll be laughing. He's like, <laughs> he thinks that's powerful. How cute. I've also been playing uh, been playing around with the mode, and but just been playing around with that for the Dreamcast and got that CRT and been playing 480p on the Dreamcast. And oof, I can't go back to 480i anymore. It's so good. In terms of uh, other stuff, I guess uh, somebody actually sent me a Sega Saturn sign from my kiosk, my Saturn kiosk. I, uh, I lamented that I actually got the kiosk, but it didn't have the sign, the Sega Saturn sign on it. But somebody actually had an extra one and uh, sent it to me with the screws and all, so I have that mounted currently on my kiosk. But unfortunately, my kiosk is not video or picture ready because I tore it apart a little bit to get to my uh, Raya copy for doing some stuff for Shiro. So I'm going to have to uh, come up with a solution to not having to keep taking it apart and streaming. But I'm hoping uh, with something we'll talk about later on the cast that that won't be a problem. I want to give a shout out to Aaron Suceros from the Video Game Kiosk and Display Collectors group on Facebook for sending that out to me. So I appreciate that. And I now have a 95% complete kiosk minus the reset button, but I'm not really going to cry over that at this point. I don't really use it anyways. But uh, yeah, in terms of that and the PS5 ordering, that's, uh, that's about it. Why don't we uh, move on to the news? So now talking about my uh, lamenting the tearing of my my kiosk to get my Saturn for the Rhea, the Satiator has actually started shipping out, and uh, I think it's the first 100 got it so far, but he's playing on a new bigger order of 1,000. So uh, I think he said the next one might go public after, but I'm not 100% sure. The price has been kind of steep on there, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. I think it was a 250. 50, I think it was. It's a little bit more expensive than the than the mode. So, have we heard any feedback from anybody in the community about how it performs or 
uh, how it's working because I actually haven't seen anything about how the satiator's doing. I think people the the consensus has been that it it works well, but uh, it has some issues on with ISOs or ISO video mm-hmm. files, and uh, the uh-huh. the menu is pretty rudimentary and basic from what I understood. Yeah, that's all I've heard as well. Besides that, it seems pretty solid. I'd like to get one just for the kiosk at least, or some solution so that way I can have a permanent solution for the kiosk and I don't have to keep ripping apart uh, ripping apart the kiosk to get to my Rhea for capturing and streaming. XL2's done a lot of work with uh, his new game. He's so, so he had a tech demo going. He wanted to see how uh, robust of a 3D engine he could get running on Saturn hardware, and he's now turned it into a game. He's calling it Hell Slave. Uh, probably a nod to the uh, Slave Driver engine or maybe some of the work that Lobotomy did um, because some of his textures, I think, initially were from uh, some of those games. Anyways, uh, the engine is stunning, sensational. He's able to get you know real-time light sourcing. He's got 3D transparencies, including... And so not just transparencies, but 3D transparencies, and the Saturn's always had trouble with that. He's got fully 3D character models. Uh, the whole thing runs at a really good uh, frame rate. And for a Saturn first, he's got the whole thing running in a four-player split-screen deathmatch. So that's really uh, sensational. And then as Dave mentioned, that it now features Dave's vasectomy software logo, which is brilliant, and it's super cool to kind of see that in the game. But, I mean, this, I guess, kind of goes to show, for me anyways, that had time and, you know, sort of business fiscal constraints not been as stringent back in the day, or, you know, possibly even had, you know, the PlayStation development environment not been so easy to work with back in the day, then I think eventually devs would have gotten to that level of proficiency. So, you know, it it just went... to me, it goes to show that the Saturn really had a lot more juice uh, left under the hood. I think the the game looks sensational. It's fantastic, and and it really bodes well for future projects. One thing I'd like to mention is, and I might have mentioned this before, but just want to reiterate: I, to my knowledge, I don't think there is a commercially released first person shooter or Doom clone for the Saturn that has split screen for even two player. So the fact that this has four player split screen is outstanding. That's just completely remarkable. And he deserves, XL2 deserves a ton of praise for accomplishing that. Agreed, for sure. No, you're right. There was nothing that was uh, split screen uh, in the first person shooter category. Yeah, he's even got, uh, he's even got um, lens flares going on. Like mm-hmm. when, and, and it's like camera perspective correct. So that when you like look at a light source, the lens flares come across the screen. And then like when you look away, they like trail. So it's he's really got like a cool lighting engine going on in there. You're and putting I mean, JJ Abrams in the credits. Yeah, I think there you go. I think it really speaks to to because I've been hanging out on the um, Sega Extremes Discord and you know talking to those guys. It really speaks to how good the homebrew dev tools have become. You know, like the Joe Engine has come such a long way, and you know the ability to write code in C. And the uh, and and make it tight and make it like optimized, um, just a lot of stuff that they weren't able to do back in the day. Working with the limited document or not limited documentation. Hell, they had documentation, but they they you know limited software, graphics libraries initially, and then you know limited dev tools. 
where they were really just working close to the hardware like that. Um, these new homebrew tools are actually quite robust. I think when we were originally doing this cast, Kay and I were talking about how it was like pretty early days or it was still, they were still limited, but like in the last few years, like they've actually come a long way. I think Pat's thinking about doing his own game, right, Pat? Yeah. Uh, I'm working on a game right now for, for iOS that's based off of a game that a famous developer's done that's a text-based adventure, a visual novel. So I'm working on that now. I was considering maybe doing something like that for the Saturn, but I don't know. I, 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 like, I need to find the time, because if I did do something for the Saturn, I would literally have to drop the cast in video editing, and yeah, it'd be very tricky. But it would be kind of fun to try something like that, so never... Uh, Never count Pat out because I've I've been very familiar with C, a little bit too familiar if you ask me. But uh, I would be definitely down for doing something, maybe even if it's something small. There you go. Of course, that already exists, right? There's already a Zork for Saturn, right? Japanese though. Oh yeah, you're right. Zork one and two. That's right. Yeah, they they did do Z- uh, Zork for Saturn. Sorry for those who are just listening. Ben held up a sign that said Zork, and I was thinking, wait a second. <laughs> Somebody needs to translate those. On it. Just joking. I probably can't do that. But that'd be kind of cool if someone could do that. But yeah, the, the, the tools that we have now are are actually quite robust. And actually, the guys are really encouraging. They're, they're holding a, a homebrew competition. Uh, Pat's involved. Um, Sega Lord X, quite a few other people in the scene are involved for, for judging this thing, right? And they really want to encourage people. Like if you're a bedroom coder, if you have a little bit of coding knowledge, you're interested in getting into Saturn development, they really want to encourage um, this scene to grow because where the Dreamcast has enjoyed you know, a, over a decade of homebrew development because of the ease of development, Saturn has been a tough cookie uh, or, you know, it's been a tough nut to crack, but um, it's finally there to the point where, you know, they really want people to give it a shot, you know, and they're hoping that this competition um, that's coming up at the end of the year will help kind of drive that and get people interested. Fair enough. Speaking of developers and Saturn, do we want to talk about the Square Enix news about sure. a couple of Saturn developers? I see uh, famed developer Yuji Naka, who many of you listening likely already know about along with Naoto Oshima, uh, they're making Balan Wonderland. I don't know if it's Balan or Balan or however you pronounce it. The art style appears to be very heavily inspired by Nights into Dreams. That should make a lot of people excited. So that's been announced for pretty much every major platform at this point, both current and upcoming. So it's going to launch on the Switch March 26th of next year. And then it's going to come out on PC, PS4, 5, and then the various Xboxes that are both current and upcoming branding confusion, etc. Um, but it it's it's looking pr- pretty exciting. There's some like a small amount of gameplay video out now. Uh, some kind of you know crazy wacky platformer with an art style that a- again is very much appears to be inspired by Knights. So that should make a lot of Saturn fans very excited. Um, I'm certainly going to be picking that up when it comes out. Not sure for which platform because there's like seven options now, but. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something to look forward to. Super excited. It looks like a really neat platform. It kind of reminds me of a, a hat in time, but with like, basically is like, 
they have like different costumes or powers that you can get. I used to like costumes, so you have different powers. Yeah. Like you have a sheep that can make you levitate, like Mario and uh, and uh, Super Tanuki Mario suit? DS. Like, you know the. That's fat what it suit. reminds me of. Is the is it just reminds me of Mario with all with all the costumes that give you powers, right? But I mean, the art style definitely, like Nick was saying, is definitely knights like coming through strong. it screams nice and then also yeah. the you know the kind of like it's all about balance you know like emotional balance psychological balance and they're kind of doing the thing with the kids uh in kind of like this dream world so you know that's very uh it screams nights nice yeah it's 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 kind of cool i'm really excited for that game and i think it's going to be his first major game since uh, rodea right oh uh, yeah the sky soldier sky soldier yeah so i'll be i'll be excited to pick that pick uh that one up for sure that's a really good game. If you haven't tried it out, I really recommend it. I, I have the Wii original. one. I'll have to get. I'll have to pick that up. Yeah, I swear by the original Wii one. Like he, they originally okay. developed it for the Wii, and then of course it was so late in the in the console's life that they put yeah. it out on Wii U. But if you bought the Wii U version, you got the original Wii version. And the, they're two different games. And I swear, if you have an original Wii, play the Wii version. It's rad. It's good. It's more It's more like it, it controls better, and it's more like what I wanted kind of like a spiritual knight successor to be. So just my two cents. VGC Online uh, has their Saturn replacement cases back online. Uh, basically, you can get these on Amazon. Uh, if you do basically a search for Saturn replacement cases or Saturn cases on Amazon, you will find these, and these will set you back fifty nine ninety nine for a ten pack, which really isn't that bad if you're looking for some replacement cases, because these things do break and crack and do all these shattering things all the time that make them look pretty rough. So having this option is pretty good. Uh, he is one of uh, two people that actually uh, recreates the cases. The other one, of course, is Limited Run Games, and they have their supply of uh, replacements that you can get as well. And both manufacturers, uh, i put that lightly, but uh, basically they have a limited supply, so you have to kind of get them when they're available. But um, I have picked these up before. They are good quality. I've had no trouble with them. And uh, nice to have some clean cases to put your games into, that's for sure. Can you believe there's a guy on eBay right now who's scalping those VGC cases for 120 bucks? Of course, 120 oh bucks God. for ten. And I know he was he was he was doing that. He I don't know. He bought like six or something like that, and he's he's putting them up for 120 dollars for ten. And uh, and then they came back in stock, and I'm like, dude, you look like an A right now. Sega Sanchez is gonna judo flip that son of a bitch in no time. You're it's probably oh, the, no uh, kidding. But you know what? In all honesty, I cannot buy these cases on Amazon.ca. So I actually need some. So I'm going to need one of you gentlemen to buy the cases for me and ship them up to me because I can't get them. So to me, Mr. eBay guy, if I don't know what I'm doing, sounds like a great deal. And so I bet you that's what he's preying on. Okay. Because on eBay, I I could see the eBay ones, but I can't. Uh, on I can go to Amazon.com, but it won't ship to me. But on Amazon.ca, they're not available. So yeah, I guess it, you know it might depend on where you are in the world. I'm surprised Peter. that they're still not able to ship to Canada. I mean, uh, so interestingly, sure when they yeah. first dropped, when nobody knew about this guy, and and they they just kind of dropped out of nowhere, I immediately ordered them, and he did ship them to me. So I've got the very first uh, run of them, the ones where the the uh, cases weren't closing properly, and what have you. 
Um, and I'm actually quite happy with them. I have no issues with them. But uh, after that, I don't know if it was just too much of a hassle or if, or if the cost of shipping was too high or whatever. But he stopped making them available outside of the uh, United States. So mm. I have to now rely on proxies to get them. It's a shame. There's got to be more Saturn fans than you and Cameron up there. So I'm, I'm, I'd like to proxy. think so. <laughs> Excellent. I'll be, I'll be your proxy, Pete. <laughs> you just let me know what you need. If I, if I can still get them, I mean, you know, they they they're available and then they're not, and you know, yeah. so it just depends on stock. Yeah. But the warehouse is actually in Las Vegas, which is like a couple hours from San Diego, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, whenever I get them, they're like there the next, they're like to me the next day. It's crazy if, if they have them in the warehouse. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, well, be your proxy, Peter. Just keep uh keep the Tim Hortons merch and the milk and bags coming. <laughs> The milk and bags. That's great. Notice how Peter was not even close to amused by that gag. <laughs> it's like, what's funny about that? That's just how we drink our milk. <laughs> Poor Peter. I'm... I better get that Tim Hortons cup in the mail, Peter, I swear. We're sorry. Uh, Dave, you want to talk about the last news with the uh, game tech cases? Yeah, so they've got so they've got these clear cases that you can swap out on your Saturn. Now, are they, they're just basically clear frosted, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it's only the uh, round button Saturn. The round models. button model, model. I I will not say model two since we have K here, but uh, what lots of people call the model two, uh, the round button Saturn. Yeah. So it's just, Easy. It's, it's just like a clear, I guess the closest thing would be like those, those clear skeleton Xbox shells. It's very similar. And it's just um, it's just a single clear tone frosted case, um, no logos or or branding anywhere. Um, and so I guess Pat, you were saying if these do well, he'll probably have other colors or other varieties, right? Yeah, and it's it kind of annoys me a bit, but I understand it because the Dreamcast has like they have twenty five like different colors and models for pre order. Like they have uh, like different smoke colored clear colors they even have like the resident evil color schemes and logos and they even have like a version of the this is cool for the dreamcast which i think sam actually ha- uh the ssg has a version of that on his dreamcast right now but yeah it's it's it actually is really cool but i just wish they would give saturn more love but i mean i mean it's saturn we're talking i mean we should be used to be getting shafted uh by now right guys could be worse we could be f-zero fans Ooh, I was playing that last night, and we were discussing that, too. Uh, I'm going to go cry now. GX is so good, dude. Man. Uh, it is. That, except that terminal level. I hate that. Don't oh, play yeah. terminal. No one likes hate it. hate that level. One thing I'd like to mention, the PC version of Panzer Dragoon Remake is set to come out September 25th. By the time this cast releases, uh, you should, if you're listening now, you should be able to get it, unless it got delayed last minute. Um, so... Uh, I, I know I'm going to get it and try it out. I hope that it looks better than the Switch version. And because the, the graphics and the release on, on the graphics in the trailer from that Nintendo Direct uh, eons ago look way better than the uh, actual Switch version looked. So hoping that the PC version is a noticeable upgrade. So we'll see. Perhaps I might even review it. Is that good old games and Steam? Um, I definitely steam i think good old games is also getting it if i recall correctly i'd I'd have to double check but um should be available i think it is i did like the remake on switch i just thought the graphics were pretty much the only major letdown at least for me 
still looked good. I mean, it played great. It's Panzer. Can't go wrong. It's Dragon. So like the foot. So so basically the footage that you saw in the pre-release trailer was basically development footage on a PC. That's what it seemed like. Uh, and like I don't know if that's been confirmed or not. Uh, I know that you guys talked to the developers for it back uh, back before it came out, but uh, it definitely the the gameplay footage in the first trailer looked better than the actual gameplay in the Switch version. But that might be because you know it's a Switch version; it's going to have worse graphics. Yeah, and I remember at the time that we talked to uh, Benjamin at Forever Entertainment, Switch was the only confirmed version. They had not announced right anything at all at that time. So that's right. Yep. The interview is almost a year old at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So you're going to be able to play that with like the VR headset? Oh, God. <laughs> I think they no. meant, didn't they mention something about VR? So oh, I, VR headset right now. I don't know if the remake mentioned anything about it. I know that there is a different team making a Panzer Dragoon game for VR where it's going to be action-based recollections of different parts of the three games, including Saga. So it's going to be like portions of 1, 2, and Saga in an epic VR action adventure, which I am very, very psyched that that's happening. I am, that's probably the thing I'm anticipating the most out of this franchise right now. That's going to be sick. So hopefully that comes just- out soon because I want to play it. Yeah, because I'm just hoping that all of my shoutings about doing a Panzer Dragoon VR over the past couple of years have just been heard by the right people. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, that will that'll be something else when that comes out. Shiro just gets like a giant package of VR headsets and copies of it <laughs> the next day. Of release. That's right. Yeah. Right. But yeah no, they ought to make sweet. a with the P, with this PC version. They ought to allow you to shift the camera into you know cockpit view or cockpit. <laughs> dragon saddle view but yeah so like i mean there ought to be at least a code or an option to shift the camera and then maybe put on a a headset you know that would be cool yeah they'll probably mod it mod it to do a bunch of things like maybe they'll make make the dragon like alex from half-life 2 or something or you'll be gordon freeman riding the dragon oh hell yeah can you crowbar all the enemies you just throw crowbars instead of shooting yeah, yeah, instead of shooting them, just throw crowbars out of the dragon's mouth. Make it the never-ending story, dragon. <laughs> you get to the you get to the very end. You get to the tower, and you hear blah blah blah, Mister Freeman. And then you have to save a drowning horse from a. Is that is that from that with the that horse drowning in the tar pit? Yeah, that's yes. sad. That right? <laughs> Ardu, yeah, that... I think it's the name. Atreyu was the dragon, and I can't remember. No. N- no, no Falcor was the, was the dragon. Fal- Falcor, yeah, you're right. The luck dragon, yes. yeah. And Trey so was the kid who lost yeah, his horse. Sorry, you're right. Gotcha. I need I need to rewatch that. Or that maybe horse not. had mad depression. <laughs> well, yeah. It also had mad sinking <laughs> skills. Yeah. Say a century the number one podcast to talk about horses drowning in tar pits. Anyways. Oh, on that and note. depression at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. 2020, baby. <laughs> but uh anyways, um why don't we get why don't we get into the main topic today, which is horizontal shmups. Uh we originally talked about vertical shmups a was it a year year or two years ago? I can't remember. It, it was like it was two years. Yeah, it was two about years, two, years, yeah. two years ago. And uh we finally decided to uh do horizontal shmups because I think we're all pretty big fans of it in one way or another. And I don't know, we just uh, just want to finally get back into them. So the only caveat is that we're not going to be talking about the two best horizontal shmups for the Saturn, which is Cotton 2 and Cotton Boomerang. 
mostly because we did a podcast completely on those. So if you want to jump back and listen to that podcast, go check that out. But uh, for now, we're going to talk about quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of a number of shmups, at least our favorite ones, and go through them. And whatever ones we missed, it's not anything personal. It's just uh, we, there's a lot of sh- uh, shoot 'em ups, and we have a lot of little time. So, but uh, why don't we uh, get straight into it uh, with Nick? Did you want to talk about uh, your first choice? Yes, yes, I do. Darius Gaiden is uh, one of the horizontal shmups I played for this cast. So, full disclosure, it is my favorite Sega Saturn game ever. Um, it's the first Saturn game I played, and that's really what got me into the console. Um, I- I'd played Darius before. Uh, it was like, I think I'd played Darius Twin for the Super Nintendo, because I was just really wanting to play some some SNES shmups at the time, and it was okay. And so I'm like, okay, well, I want to see what the Saturn's all about. I know about Darius. This one's supposed to be good. And yeah, it's it's awesome. So you blow up giant mechanical space fish that shoot lasers and missiles at you. That should pretty much sell you right away. Um, <clears throat> but That's if probably it doesn't, the most roughest description of Darius I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty thorough. Um, it, it the it started out in the arcades. Uh, Darius Gaiden is the third entry in the arcade line of Darius games. The first one, just called Darius, it uses three monitors side by side. The center monitor is actually f- pointed up, and then the mirror reflects it. So that way you have a seamless, I guess that'd be a 12 by 3 display. And then in Darius 2, they did the same thing, but it was two monitors. And uh, Darius Gaiden was the first one where they just tried to cram it all into one screen and this is probably the one where they really refined the gameplay like it it, they got they did away with the gimmick kept all the weird bullshit that darius had with like spacing out your your missiles and um the weird power-up system and made it into like a like a pretty well-refined game uh you start out there are seven stages but the map branches out into a triangle and so there's actually 20 or so different possible stages you can play on. You sort of choose your path as you beat the bosses and um, until you get to the seventh stage and ultimately destroy the Belsar army and, um, and free the Ewoks, depending on what route you take. There is an ending where you save what appear to be Ewoks on a green planet. Um, a lot of weird endings with that game. Um, on the Saturn, it's a really excellent port. It's just a really, it's a lot of really large sprites and explosions. You go through really trippy worlds as you travel from stage to stage and fight these insane bosses that, like, you know, basically shift reality while you're trying to fight them. Very trippy, very Taito game. And the soundtrack really fits the, the style of that, too. Very colorful. Uh, there are a few points where it, there is some slowdown, which in a shmup, when there's slowdown, it's probably more appreciated than anything because it gives you a chance to actually dodge stuff. And uh, I guess the one key with it is, like with any Darius game, the the, the goal is to basically not die ever. Um, if you die, your power-ups downgrade, and that makes the later stages extremely difficult. Um, you do get shields, which the game calls arms, and those basically act as hit points. So you can get hit a number of times without actually dying. And every time you get another arm, your your shields recharge in a sense. But yeah, it's no, it's super great. Uh, I'd highly recommend it. And with it with it having levels that branch out, uh, the replay value is pretty intense. Um, all of the there are some bosses that repeat. So like say you do like you get to stage three, the boss at the top of the map is going to be the same as the one at the bottom, uh, but it, it, it might be like slight 
slightly different variations. But all of the final stages have, like, all the end bosses, they're all completely different. So quite a great deal of replay value there. In the earlier Darius games, they were a little more repetitive with the branching out level path. Uh, Darius Guide, and they really took the time to make, like, each zone, as they call it, as, as unique as they could. So, and the Saturn obviously plays it really well. It's a good marriage of 2D and 3D elements. Puts it to work. So It's a good sprite showcase, right? It is an excellent sprite showcase. Ton of colors, ton of really large moving sprites that are giant mechanical space fish shooting lasers and missiles at you. So, so yep, save humanity, destroy the Belsar army, and uh, fry up some crabs. Bring some butter. Yum. Be over in ten. Bring your best lure. I want to vote that you guys title this episode Giant Space Fish That Shoot Lasers and Missiles at You. With butter. With butter. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of fish, a lot of crustaceans. It's great. So would you? How? Uh, where would you rate it? You know, in terms of, uh, well, you said it's your favorite, and it's your, well, favorite, yeah. but I mean, like for most people looking into shmups on this list, where does it rank? Do you think? On this list, I'd say it ranks pretty high. I mean, there's an obvious personal bias. Um, I'd say it's it's best competition. I mean, it's going to be towards the top, competing with Thunder Force Five, and uh, probably you know, Sexy Parodius is pretty good. Um, is it cheap so, or do you, I mean, not inexpensive, but like, it, are the shots cheap or is yeah. it pretty fair as far as, you know, being able to dodge enemy fire and stuff? So that's an interesting question. The, your own hitbox is kind of hard to read at first and it appears to be larger than normal. But once you get a feel for where it's at and you know where it is, it makes it easier. So like the top and bottom of your ship can't get hit really. Um, most of the shots aren't too cheap. But there are a few parts of the game, and Taito is pretty infamous for this. Uh, there are a few parts of the game where you will figure it out by dying. For example, there's a stage where there's like a solid wall that covers the entire screen. And in, in order to get through it, you have to wait for these little digging enemy things to dig a hole for you. You can kill them, and then they won't dig a hole for you, and then you'll die. You'll hit the wall, and that'll be it. Then you'll respawn and you know fly through it with your little two or three seconds of invincibility and so the only way to know that is to because you know if you're not constantly firing uh you, you pretty much have to play it and die to learn it there are a couple of things like that here and there but not nearly as often in gaiden as with some of the other uh taito shmups that you'll play uh one other thing that i should note um the auto fire or rate of fire in this game is in dispute so uh, the default auto fire for Saturn's Gaiden, and this is the case for many arcade releases, it's slower than if you were to rapidly tap your thumb. So that leads to a lot of carpal tunnel for people that really want to, you know, fire more than three or four shots per second. Um, and I think the idea was, I think what they were going for is in the original Darius games, like you'd only have four or five shots on screen at once. And maybe they were trying to kind of emulate that, so to speak. But um a lot of arcades would put in auto fire for Gaiden, and then Taito, when they re-released the game later, they put in auto fire. Um, the current re-release for Switch and PS4 on the, I think it's the Cosmic Collection, has auto fire by default. And if you play the Gaiden ship in the newest Darius game, it has intense auto fire by default. So you'll get you'll hear people go back and forth on whether or not you should or shouldn't use auto fire in the game. But at the end of the day. Uh, don't let assholes on the internet tell you how to play a game. So I recommend Auto Fire personally. 
the difficulty is adaptive, so it doesn't really matter. Would you say this is one to buy or, or one to burn? Um, is it a, is, is, would you recommend the import or domestic? Um, definitely, you know, well, I, I'd say it's one to buy. I haven't checked prices in a while. The American release used to be one of the cheaper Saturn games. That is not the case anymore. I think the import is cheaper. But, uh, you know, I'd say it's definitely one to buy. Uh, some people consider it to be the best in the series uh, cool. up there with G Darius. Um, and it's definitely one of the Saturn's best horizontal shmups. So I definitely recommend it. Now, again, giant personal bias for me because it's my favorite Saturn game. So, you know, take my opinion on this with a grain of salt enough to uh, season your your space fish breakfast. How do you think it compares to the Saturn version of Darius 2? Uh, way, way better. The Saturn version of Darius 2 is okay, but that's down the list, and I'll, I'll talk more about that one later. All right, so why don't we move from one of the best uh, horizontal shooting ups to one of the potentially worst, which is the infamous... Uh, Chill Anaki, aka Super Big Brother, the ultimate most powerful man in the Milky Way. Uh, for those of you that don't know this, this is the the famous uh, the famous bulky man shooter. So half naked men flying across the screen, weird designs. Uh, name it, the weirdness is just indescribable. Uh, it was developed by Messiah Games and released on December 29th, 1995, for the PlayStation. And then on the Saturn on March 29th, 1996. Um, you can place either Adanton or Benton. I don't know which one is the female or male character, but it's basically there's one male character where you have two bald men as options, uh, like two bald men options like from Gradius, or a female character with two little angel-like kids that sort of fly around you and is used as defense projectiles. Um, if they get hit enough... Each of those options stop firing, and they actually t- tank the hits. Um, it's definitely an oddball one. Lots of weird enemies. Uh, the first boss is actually a weird cybernetic naked man with Arnold Schwarzenegger for the head, like his side profile. I don't know what happened and how he got that, but the guy kind of looks like Arnold, if any of you ever played that game. Yeah, there's some really weird ones. Uh, like When you pick up the white orbs for the power-ups, the character you're playing as moans. So that's kind of... Uh kind of interesting feature there um so the the game's often criticized for having some of the worst play mechanics in the series and they said a difficulty is a major factor for the game and frustration and i definitely understand i you basically have a giant sprite on the screen and there's bolts flying everywhere and you die and there's no like uh sort of the beginner's grace thing there's actually a small beginning grace period with the it's like this giant man spinning around shooting a giant laser across the screen uh, for the beginning, but it's way too easy, and the only grace period is that, basically, which is way too easy. After that, it's all hard as hell, getting shot in every direction. The uh, sort of the options help a little bit, but after they get hit, it's kind of hard after that. Uh, this actually was really hard for me, especially as somebody that plays a lot of shmups. I, only got, I was only able to get to make it to level 2. It's pretty difficult i don't know if any guys played it before but it's kind of a tough cookie to crack Kay, was this uh yellow or red label that is a fantastic question this is one game that i never actually got into so i don't have that info offhand but i bet you i could find it before the end of a cast okay well it, it's one of them 
Yeah, I, I, my, my bets are on yellow. Probably yellow. Yeah, it, it yeah, definitely I... has a yellow vibe to it. Do you have the opportunity to play Choaniki with a uh, one-handed control configuration? Um, I haven't tried it, but it's definitely possible as it's only two. It's only two buttons, so you'd probably do a like a, a, a California like hang loose configuration in one <laughs> hand, and then yeah, we'll just have to get you that one-handed ASCII controller. Oh, that one too. Yeah, you that could, would work. Yeah, that would work. That would work. Great. And then you can actually drink tea for the other one because that's that's really what you want to do is drink tea and play the menu. So that's exactly using your other hand for. See, I didn't get very far in this game, but it was for different reasons. <laughs> like, oh. um, I don't know, some guy came at me with like a, a cybernetic penis, and I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. But yeah, anyways, back to the creepy game. Uh, the weirdest thing, though, that I actually didn't find out until I Googled it was that it actually got a European and North America release on the PlayStation Network store around 2010-2011, and it's still up. So if you want to give the PlayStation version a shot in America, um, I get, I would say enjoy it, but you're not going to enjoy it. It's going to be very long and difficult and extremely, long, extremely huh? hard. How long? That's what he oh, said. <laughs> and it might give you a shot instead. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. What, Ouch. what a video game. What a what a delightful delightful video game. Yeah, it's Great. it's definitely not my favorite shooter and the cool thing is it's not that expensive either. I think you can pick up a Saturn copy for about like 75 to 100 bucks maybe. So it's not that bad. I think the PlayStation version. Yeah, it's oh, it's only like 40 bucks for the PlayStation version, so if you really really want to give this game a shot and it's specifically this version, you can yeah, I also forgot to mention this is actually a series of games, so so there's several mm-hmm. of them, starting from the PC Engine. I think Peter said he played that, right? Yeah, it's actually available on the TurboGrafx Mini. There is a version of it on there, so... You wouldn't want a mini version of this game, though. That's no, yeah. this one... Yeah. Does it stay harder longer? It doesn't... No, the thing is, it's not as satisfactory. You don't, it doesn't satisfy you as much. It's a meteor prime. <laughs> I think that I think this is definitely worth a burn. Like folks should experience this, even if it's for a moment, just to be like, "What just happened to me?" <laughs> yeah. If you really want to just try it, please burn it. I mean, I think it's I think it's worth a buy just for the insanity. But the thing is, the game is so difficult. I guess hard that you know it's going to be a tough play for sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, why don't did we wanna, move along? Did you want to go into, uh, go into Thunder Force, Peter? A little bit less explicit? A little less of your... A little less severe. So, um, yeah, so I played Thunder Force 5, and, um, okay, so first of all, I guess I have to disclose that uh, shmups are my least played genre, so I really have to sort of get into them and invest time into them, and so... As I'm talking about this game, uh, just keep in mind that, you know, I haven't experienced 500 different shmups, so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Thunder Force 5 is a Technosoft title that was first released on Saturn, and it was uh, exclusive to Japan. came out in July of 97, and eventually it did get ported to the PlayStation about a year later, and then the uh, PlayStation version was localized by Working Designs under their SPAS label. 
So that came out in around uh, 1998 here. So there are seven levels in the game, and the first three you can actually tackle in any order of your choosing. So at the beginning of the game, you select uh, the order of the levels that you want to tackle for the first three, and then after that, you just progress through the rest of them. Uh, the game auto-scrolls, and it does use sort of like pseudo-3D effects, kind of like Radiant Silver Gun, where the actual gameplay is all two-dimensional, uh, two but some of the enemies and definitely some of the backgrounds uh, are in three dimensions. And uh, it really does use quite a lot. You can tell that it's using uh, the Saturn's um, uh, infinite plane in some of the levels, and some of the 3D effects um, definitely uh, use the hardware well. So it looks it looks pretty good. Um, you toggle your weapons with the C button. There are, uh, at least through my playing so far, there have been five available, and they're kind of displayed in the upper left corner, sort of like in a honeycomb pattern. And so it's entirely possible, I have to admit, I've made it through the first three levels, but I have not made it any further. So I've actually done a whole uh, a playthrough where I did level one, finished it level two, and then got to level three and got smoked by the boss there. But... Uh, so I haven't seen any levels past that, and so it's possible that you're going to pick up more uh, weapons to add to your little honeycomb pattern, but uh, at the very least, anyways, there were five. Um, and the game is kind of cool. Like, it warns you if you're going to have a giant enemy, you know, leap up at any particular section of the screen, so it'll give you a little warning uh, from the area from which uh, the enemy's going to pop out so that you don't die a cheap death, and I think that's really cool, especially for somebody who doesn't play shmups all that often. Um, and there's also, you can pick up, uh, and I know that these are throughout the Thunder Force series, it's called the Craw, and they're, they're small little orbs that you can pick up, and they will sort of like circle your ship, and they can absorb enemy fire. Craw. And in, yeah, and in previous um, Thunder Force games, you could have had up to two, and in this one, you can actually have up to three of them. And if you ever, uh, you know, if you ever die, then uh, you have to actually uh, fly around the screen and pick up your craw again if you want to have them because they kind of burst out from you. Um, I thought the game was a lot of fun. It's not as much bullet hell as other games that I've played, so it's it's not too bad for a beginner shmup guy. Um, very slick presentation. Uh, you know, the beginning screens, and it all looks very professional and... Uh, one cool thing I noticed is it will actually display on the options menu the actual date and time because it just gets that off of your Saturn uh, clock. So, so long as you've got a battery in your Saturn and the clock is set to the correct date and time, it will display that in the options. So, um, it's super cool. And like I said, um, it's not it's not a cheap game. It's definitely uh, on the more expensive uh, uh, Saturn uh, shmup uh, list. Uh, exclusive to, J to Japan, never made it out of Japan on Saturn anyways. It did come out here uh, on the PlayStation uh, by Working Designs, but uh, it's, a, it's a fun game. Like, actually, I'm going to look forward to continuing to play it and see uh, see if I can finish it and master it. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Cool. All right. So next we got Gradius Deluxe Pack. Uh, this is one that you don't want to get mixed up with Darius. Uh, Gradius and Darius uh, naming is just mm -hmm. a little close. With the Gradius, though, is um, there's a bunch of different games in the series. Uh, Gradius 1, 2. Uh, for Nintendo, there was even Life Force, which was called Salamander in Japan. Uh, strangest name for a shooter, but it's kind of tied oh, in. And Don't forget Nemesis, too. Way. Oh, that one. Yep, of course. And uh, so this game is, what's nice about it, it's a two-pack. Uh, the Gradius Deluxe Pack includes Gradius 1 and Gradius 2. 
And uh, so these are very core horizontal shooters. Um, it's it's a very good one to get into as a beginner uh, because you start out, it's a very easy one to get into. It, it's You're not having to have the trouble of understanding what is in the foreground or the background because a lot of it takes place, at least in the first game, in space. So the background is black with the, you know, the star field and all that good stuff. And uh, of course it moves into other areas, but it's a little easier to see what you're doing and what you're supposed to do. Uh, your power-ups you pick up, you shoot certain characters. They're typically the red ones, and they'll give you a power-up. And on the bottom of the screen, uh, when you have the power-up that you want, you hit the A button, and it selects that power-up. So the my recommendation, though, is you always want to get your speed up first because that's the first one that you could get, and you really want to be able to get around the screen quickly because that'll definitely save your life. And um, so then we go into Gradius 2. Now, Gradius 2 is every bit an improvement on the first game. It's, it's so much better. Uh, you basically have configuration options even before you start the game uh, to select what kind of power-ups you want to have during the stages. And uh, so this is really fun because you can decide if you want lasers or a ripple weapon and things like that. And... Um, it just creates a little bit more uh, depth to it. Now, the stages are interesting, too, because it is way revved up the difficulty. Your first stage in Gradius 2 is basically you're trying to avoid a series of suns that have flaming dragons shooting fireballs at you. And that's just the first nice. stage. And it's amazing. So, so that's just fun stuff. That. You can actually buy that. I can't remember which company, that, but they made a statue of that boss. That's oh, that's cool. fantastic. Yeah, because like the first boss is a uh, basically a phoenix. It's a, a firebird that shoots. It has two different attacks. It's not hard to beat the first phoenix. Hell, it's even it's harder to get to it than it is to actually beat that boss, you know, because, yeah, fire dragons in the middle of the stage with the multi suns. And yeah, that's pretty cool. So um, so then you move on to an ice steroid stage, uh, asteroids of ice, you know, that sort of thing. And and. Uh, inside levels where you're inside this massive structure. It, it's a lot of fun. Um, so the the games themselves have... What's interesting in the options is the options from one game to the next are, are completely recognizable. You basically can increase the number of lives you have. You can change... What's interesting is the arcade mode is where the... Uh, the screen is more vertical than it is horizontal, but you can actually go to like a full screen mode where it just adds those two extra inches on the side. And that's literally all it does. If you toggle between arcade and full screen, you just have a little bit more viewing area. It's, it's pretty funny, but also good like that. I mean, to me, that's what I always want to do when I'm sitting on my screen here. So full on four by three, there we go. Done. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a good, good set of games. Uh, it gets challenging, so uh, it starts off uh, to where you're able to get through the stages, at least with Gradius 1, and uh, just gets gradually more difficult. And there's a lot of pattern memorization when you're going through some of the parts, and it's not a bullet hell, just like uh, previously mentioned with other games. Uh, this one's more kind of like a uh, just uh, flying strategy, I guess you would say. A bullet purgatory. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, there we go. 
And uh, so, yeah, I absolutely recommend it. It's uh, one of those base games that I believe if you like shoot 'em ups, you want to be able to play this. It's a good model for a comparison. When you play other games, you'll compare them to this game. And uh, so, is it a must buy? Now, this gets tricky because you may have already played it on the Nintendo, at least the first Gradius. Uh, I can't remember where they released the second one, but yeah, the uh, Gradius one was released. It was in the arcade. It was on the Nintendo. It was all over the place. And so that's a that's a $5 game. It's cheap. It's inexpensive. No big deal. But that being said, this is a two-pack. It's going on eBay for about 50 bucks right now. That means that you're getting uh, two shoot-em-ups for $25 a piece. That's not bad. Now, it's Japan only, so you'll have to get the Japanese version, obviously. Uh, but it's still a good set of games. I highly recommend it. And it's uh, speaking of comparis- comparison to other games, there's also another Gradius, another Gradius thing that we're going to also talk about that we can also compare it to that I, d- I covered. And uh, uh, spoilers, it, uh, you probably want to get that two-pack versus what I'm going to re- review. All right. Uh, moving on to Darius 2. So this is the lesser Saturn Darius game. Uh, so Darius 2, as I'd said before, in the arcade, it was two monitors smushed together in an 8x3 display, giving you this very wide view. Um, it's way better than the first Darius game, but it's also really, really hard. You know, it's funny. They still do that in the arcades for the, new, the newer Darius games. They did, yes. The newest one that came out is two 16 by 9 screens sm- smashed together, so it's a 32 by 9 ultra-wide HD display. It's it's fantastic. I, there's actually a, a beer cade in town where I live that has one. I'm fortunate enough to live near one that has the new Darius game, and yeah, it's an experience. Yeah, that game is great. Yeah, so. somebody local, uh, local, not local, some, one of the importers that I've, I work with for arcades actually had a had one of those for sale. I think it was a he wanted like six thousand dollars for it, though. So that <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> They're not cheap. The um, arcade that's out here, um, well, out where I live, which is away from Portland, um, it closed. It's closing up or has closed up because of COVID. But it was a small little town, small little arcade, and it had one of these uh, games in there. Also, it was amazing. Nice. It's fantastic. You get four sweaty guys in there for four-player action, and you're having a really good fish fry. It's fantastic. I think we uh, we passed covering about... the Cho- Choanaki, uh, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he read my mind. A little bit. <laughs> I no, was that's the there. gay bar down the street. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Darius 2. Uh, yeah, so Darius 2 got ported to many consoles. And like the Genesis, uh, as some people might know it as Sagaya, weird localization name, it got called Sagaya in a lot of ports. But for those ports, they dumbed it down to one 4x3 display. They kept the, as the cliched phrase goes, look and feel of the arcade, kept the designs of the level and the designs of the boss fights, but it was just on a 4x3 screen. It wasn't zoomed in, it was just optimized for it. Now, when they ported this to Saturn, they, they decided, you know what? Let's uh let's let's go a little crazy here. Let's go a little cuckoo. Let's keep the ultra wide eight by three display on the Saturn version. When you're playing Darius Two on Saturn, you have the opportunity to zoom in and out with the shoulder buttons. You can either zoom in to make it you know four by three or somewhere in between four and eight by three, or you can zoom out and have the eight by three display on your regular television screen. 
unfortunately, in the Saturn version that does not exist yet. And so uh, since the resolution of the Saturn does not meet the, uh, I guess, specifications of the 8x3 original Darius 2, it's not pixel perfect. And that gets a little problematic when playing it in ultra wide. It's still playable, though. Uh, I think, you know, I'm setting this up to be a bad review here. The Saturn port of Darius 2 is actually kind of well done for what it is. You know, you're not going to get a pixel perfect 8x3 game, but it's playable. And you can zoom in and out anytime during game with the shoulder buttons. It, the speed of that is decent enough. The sprite scaling can look a little goofy when you're doing that. So I don't recommend doing it often. But it's actually playable. And if you zoom in, the camera moves along the 8x3 screen with your ship as you move along this ultra-wide level. Um, the boss fights are fun. Uh, the game is tough as nails, so I highly, re- I would actually recommend turning the difficulty down for Darius 2. It's infamous for being just insanely difficult. But it's, you know, other other than the weird scaling and zooming in stuff, it's the same... Uh, you know, fighting puffer fish or sperm whales or lobster monsters from the original Darius 2. It's just on your Saturn, and the sprite scaling and pixel perfection isn't quite there. So, um, definitely, uh, if you want to play Darius 2 and you want an arcade perfect one, um, the Cosmic Collection already does that for you, and it's an HD, so it's pixel perfect, and it's, it's a much better port than the Saturn version. But, I mean, um, there are, there are plenty of better options to play an arcade perfect Darius too. So, speaking of uh, better ways to play things, uh, why don't we go on to the Konami Antiques MSX collection? So, uh, this is basically a I don't know exactly if it's just an emulator that's playing uh, MSX ROMs or it's actually a a, a recreated games, but uh, essentially uh, it was a collection of Konami's games released on the MSX, which is a Japanese computer back in the uh, 80s. Uh, the the most famous game that was on there is probably Metal Gear, Metal Gear 1 and 2, for those of you that know. And you've probably played it on the PlayStation uh, copy of that game. They're emulated. Yeah, emulated. Oh, the ones on the, M- the MSX collection? Right. Oh, that's what Chaz was saying last time we were talking about it. Gotcha. So, uh, essentially, uh, in terms of the horizontal shoot-em-ups, the games that are on there are, are, are Gradius 1 and 2, Parodius, Salamander, and then Super Cobra. It was re- originally it was released as three volumes on the PlayStation from 1997 to 1998, so there are three discs with each sort of uh, collection of MX- MSX games on it. And eventually they released a Konami Ultra Pack, which is released to the Saturn, on July 23rd, 1998. So it was all of the collection on one disc. They probably get it done in the first place, but you know, Konami, what do you expect? But uh, going through the games, and uh, gonna be honest, I don't know why they the collection exists for at least playing it. The only reason I can sum up is maybe it's just a nostalgia thing. So maybe it's like, oh, cool, I can play these MSX games I played on the MSX instead of playing the console perfect versions of them on the uh saturn but um greatest one and two like uh compared to ben's uh review of it they're pretty awful uh ports on the msx they're very laggy uh the shooting is not uh up to snuff but i mean it's an it's an msx so it is doing the best it can 
But uh, yeah, very laggy. It's a bit hard to shoot. I would definitely not recommend playing that over the, the Gradius 2-pack. Definitely do not buy this over that if that's what you want. Proteus was pretty good. Pretty good, actually. Um, uh, it was pretty fun to play, actually. They got the shooting down, the mechanics. is very well... A pretty decent port. I mean, it's still choppy and not as great as probably some of the arcade versions of it, but it's still pretty. Uh, Salamander, I actually thought it was a lot better than, than Gradius 1 and 2 on the on the MSX. And uh, then Super Cobra, it's unique, but it's kind of not much to write home about. Basically, you're just a chopper shooting uh, shooting missiles out of the air, dodging them, and then dropping bombs on these little houses and getting fuel depots. So yeah, I would not uh, not recommend picking it up if you just want it for the shmups. It's a neat little collection. It's pretty decently priced for the most part. It's about 40 to... Uh, actually, it's kind of all over the place on eBay. It's about 40 to... A hundred dollars, I guess. It really depends on the buy it nows, but all the auctions I'm seeing are between forty-three and sixty-one dollars, forty-one sixty-one dollars. So if you really want to pick it up, you could. I wouldn't recommend it. It also has some other MSX ports, but again, why would you play them when some of the games that are on the collection are on the Saturn and better quality and a lot more fun to play? I don't know. Maybe it's just just me with the confusion on that. Uh, what do you guys think? I'm just wondering, Pat, if you think that the disc is worth it with all the other non-shmup games on it. I mean, I guess, but I mean, you could get versions of Twin B and all the other games on there on the Saturn that are in better quality or in a better collection. So it begs to, to the question, why would you get it unless you're Japanese and you're nostalgic for the MSX? And since nobody in America that's buying them or listening to this podcast probably has nostalgia for it, what's really the point of buying it, I suppose? Unless you want to collect for right, it. Right, okay. okay. Well, MSX is a pretty expensive console to collect for now. So I think, you know, when we were talking, um, we were having like a little impromptu talk and Chaz was there and he was talking about the MSX collection and how jazzy he was to get that. Um, I think he was just mentioning that there's, you get a lot of games, like you get a, you get a ton of games on one disc and a lot of them are pretty decent games and they're somewhat different experiences than you would get from other ports or other systems, you know? Um, so if you're interested in going down that rabbit hole of the MSX, but don't have the cash to throw at like a, a whole other computer, you know, and, and games for it, it might be a good way to just kind of get into it or dip your toe into it. I think he was saying, and I kind of understand that mentality would I personally spend the money on this? Probably not. But but for somebody who has like a particular interest in MSX and maybe they just want to like, you know, check that out and see what it's see what it's all about, that might be a good thing to do or just burn a copy of this and decide for yourself, you know? Yeah, I think probably burn would be my recommendation for this game because Sure. I mean, it's a cool little neat collection and the menus and music's kind of cool that it plays on it. But I mean, if it's really the goal to play the games and enjoy them, you have way better options on the Saturn for several of the games on here. But I can understand. I think maybe a couple of them are not on Saturn, but I also could be wrong. I probably doesn't have all the games on there. There's a segment of people out there, believe it or not, that are all about collecting compilations. And that's kind of like their thing. They collect like the pinball compilations and, um, you know, 
Neo Geo port compilations, even even stuff that's emulated or stuff that's not necessarily you know the best way to experience the game. Um, there, I know there's a large segment of people out there who are just nuts over collecting every like archive compilation disc on different consoles because that's kind of a cool thing to do, you know. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So there's different use cases, but I mean, at the end of the day, you not have mainstream to... though. Yeah, not mainstream. But if at the end of the day, you have to see why you want to get it and get it just for that and just for whatever reason you want to get it, but. If it's games, definitely don't go with this compilation for sure. Okay, so the second game that I played is Desaemon 2, and it was in 1997, released in Japan by Athena. And rather than just being a shmup game, it's actually a shmup uh, construction kit, I guess. And so what it is, is you, you do have a few shmup games on the disc, but they're more like examples of what could be built with the game. And you're given a whole ton of freedom. So from composing music to uh, drawing sprites to animating them. So it's extremely robust, really. And you can imagine that, you know, that kind of robust uh, freedom will require uh, an absolute monstrous amount of memory to uh, to save. And so the game is compatible with the memory cards as well as the floppy disk drive. And the floppy disk drive, I would almost say, for this game is necessary because if you really use all of the elements available to you to build a shmup, you know, from backgrounds to sprites to 3D elements to music and so on and so forth, then one file of uh, your custom shmup will eat up the um, the majority of the memory of, uh, of a single memory card. So uh, you really want to take advantage of the floppy disk drive in this case. And I think the idea here was, initially, when the Saturn was first conceived, uh, the serial port and the floppy disk drive, which, you know, uh, was released about a year and a half later, they were initially intended as a peripheral storage device for for game saves, uh, you know, like an extension of the internal RAM and cartridge RAM. But as time went on and games like Dezaemon 2 came out, it was used more with the uh, idea of, okay, so you build your, your custom shmup, you, you load it and save it onto a floppy disk, and then you trade it with friends who then take it to you know their house, pop it into their FTD, and, uh, and load up your shmup, and th- then they're able to play it. So it's almost like a, you know, trading uh, hockey cards or baseball cards, I suppose, in the playground uh, at school. So that's the sort of idea there. But yeah, so it does take up a whole ton of memory. Uh, but the really neat thing is there's been a community that's been alive and thriving building these, uh, building shmups based off of uh, this game. And there are currently uh, archives where you can find, you know, well over, there's several hundred of uh, really well-made um, shmups that you can download and and play. And so it's sort of, think of like, you know, RPG Maker or games like that, but obviously for uh, shmups. And so even though this only got released in Japan, and even though it's quite complex, especially if you can't read Japanese, you have to really kind of watch your menus and understand what does what, and it takes a, takes a long time to build a shmup. 
but if you really sink some time into it, it's it's a very robust system, so you can really build some really cool uh, games with it. So that's why I initially said that you know this this possibly could be something that you know we would need to spend a whole cast talking about to really delve into every single option available to you, every single you know feature that the game uh, allows you to mess with or, or to play with. Um, so it, it isn't a game that you should just buy if you just want to play shmups. It's sort of like think of you know Super Mario Maker. Nobody buys that just to play the pre-existing preloaded Mario levels, and that's what this game is all about. Uh, so if you're a shmup lover and you've always sort of wanted to build a shmup, this this really does give you a robust way of doing that. Um, so it was a very interesting dive into, and if you're really into shmups, I I recommend it. Um, just make sure you have a floppy disk drive, um, and that does sort of you know increase your price uh, uh, entry point quite a bit. But but it's a fantastic uh, shooter um, yeah, construction kit. So I had a lot of fun with it. How much is it? The is the game itself sell for usually? Yeah, I'm seeing some some buy it nows for you know the mid fifty to mid sixty Canadian. So that would be I would say between forty and fifty US. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's not really a lot of these shmups aren't that bad for the Saturn. I was expecting a little bit higher, but true. Yes, exactly. So I mean, yeah, I mean, your point of entry here is going to be high simply because. Um, uh, you need the floppy disk drive really to take advantage of it, but just beyond that, it's quite reasonable. The gamer's card has floppy drive emulation on it, so that can also be used as an extension for this. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Alright, so uh, next we've got Sexy Parodius, which uh, I had the pleasure of being able to take on this game. Now, what was interesting is I had played Sexy Parodius years ago, and uh, but I never played it after playing Gradius. And uh, so when I was playing Gradius 1 and 2, and then I flipped over to Sexy Parodius, I realized that they're basically made under the same architecture of a game. Like, um, they're both made by Konami, and the options menus are literally set up exactly the same. Everything on the menu is the same thing between the games. Um, And then when you go into the games, the power-up system works exactly the same, Everything is, it's basically, you can rename this game Sexy Gradius, and it would be correct. And so, going into this one, you you go into the first stage, uh, well, even before that, uh, the way that the options work, as far as for your ships, instead of where, okay, so in Gradius 1, you had one ship option, and it just had his power-ups. In Gradius 2, you had one ship, but you can select which set of power-ups you wanted to use. But in Sexy Parodius, you have multiple different ships with whatever their power-up um, configuration is. And so what I found was I really like the character that was basically a stick man that was riding a paper airplane. Uh, I thought he was the most fun as far as for me. It's kind of funny, too, because uh, one of the missile attacks where... Typically in Gradius, it would be a, a missile that uh, would aim downward and then it'd uh, scroll along the ground. What for the paper airplane man was, was it would, he was launching little uh, stick figures and they would run across the ground and looks like they would punch things, basically. And um, so the first stage, when you're going through that, you're like, okay, I've got this. This is actually pretty easy. I'm just shooting flying pigs, some cows, some weird things, some squirrels. And uh, then you beat the last boss, and you're like, all right, this is not that bad. Then stage two happens. 
And let me tell you about stage two. Stage two, first off, immediately gets faster. Like the speed of the stage ramps up. Um, there's so much going on on the screen that it's a little distracting trying to figure out where to go. Because uh, first off, like stage two is when they introduce uh, a bunch of bath babes just in bathtubs that you have to avoid um, and paths that you have to take. And some of them are closed off. So uh, that's reminiscent of some of the stages in uh, Gradius 2 in the later levels where you had to uh, basically fly your ship through little corridors, more or less. Um, so my only real complaint with Sexy Parodius um, over the Gradius games is... There's so much going on in the stages. It gets a little busy, and it's hard to see what you're trying to do or what you're doing at the time. Um, but as far as recommending it, if you like Gradius, this is definitely a game for you. If you don't or have not played Gradius yet, I would play Gradius first, and then uh, see if you like the play style and the way that it works. And if you do, this is just a fun little cute em up It's going to be just a nice little thing to play that you're very familiar with. I would recommend beating it and getting to the end. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I haven't actually beat the game yet. I got to like, I think it was like stage number four, if I remember right. And it, God, it got just so tough. You get a really nice but, reward um, if you beat it, though. Oh, good. Do you know what the reward is? I can't remember what the reward is. Um, it's a picture of a lady and an octopus. I won't spoil anything else. Is it a yellow or red <laughs> label? This one, I think, is a yellow label. I, I didn't, when I was playing, it didn't seem too severe. But uh, it goes for about 75 to 120 bucks on eBay currently. Um, I would not label this as a must-buy. There's better games out there. Uh, but it is something, if you like this genre of the Gradius-style games, then I would say it's a must-burn. Uh, so that would be my recommendation for this one. Yeah, I think the, Gra the Gradius games are really collectible on the Saturn, too. So uh, even I think if you like Gradius, I would collect them all for, him, for the Saturn, because there's a lot of great Gra Gradius games on there. Do you want to talk about the Metal Black, Nick? Yeah, Taito definitely dropped bath salts before making Metal Black, so let's talk about the plotline real quick. The year's 2042, uh, something happened with Jupiter's moons, and now there's a meteor shower going towards Earth, and so a cybernetic alien race decided to take advantage of that and invade Earth at the same time. They were met with uh, not a whole ton of resistance, so they, want, they went ahead and plundered Earth for its inorganic materials. Um, and while this is going on, the last remaining humans uh, made a, a ship... And the ship is called, I think it was the Black Fly. I have to look this up real quick. Um, yeah, Black Fly. And they made 20,000 of them. But then they signed a peace treaty with their cybernetic alien overlords. And so they weren't going to attack them. But then one military guy decided to go rogue and save humanity. So he stole a Black Fly ship. And that's you. And that's when the game starts. Six stages. Uh, first stage is on Earth. Everything's a desert. All the buildings and skyscrapers are like destroyed and crumbled. And uh, all the enemies are like these giant, disgusting, terrifying, like cybernetic monsters, including some space fish. There are some Darius enemies that appear to either be in the game or enemies that appear to be just straight up inspired by Darius. Uh, the beam system is actually kind of crazy. So there are power up items constantly littering the uh, the levels. And as you collect them, your your twin beam gets bigger. And um, that also charges up your your bomb or your burst beam. And whenever you fight these uh, bosses, 
the bosses will shoot lasers at you and you can shoot the laser back at them and it, and it'll be like a laser battle like a dragon ball z like two lasers meet and Koopman fills up the screen electricity flies everywhere and then it creates this giant purple ball and you have to mash the a button to like basically shove it into the boss if you win the beam fight with the boss uh it is not uncommon to uh kill it in one hit with that um otherwise you're in for a tough battle how many missions missions is it the charger attack though it it takes you can generally charge your your beam like two or three times in a stage um possibly more depending on how good you are collecting it um at collecting the power-ups they're everywhere though they're constantly spawning um it, the game does a good job at making a clear distinction as to what are power-up items and what are enemy bullets. The enemy bullets are pink, and the power-up items are like little spinny things. But yeah, really, really difficult, though. This is really tough. Uh, one thing that's kind of funny, um, there are two different endings. Um, if you game over in the last stage, you get the good ending. And if you beat the last stage, you get the bad ending. You did hear me correctly. Beating the game triggers the bad ending. I won't spoil what it is for you. Um, uh, the sh- sprites are incredible. Uh, this is definitely something that the Saturn is does a, would do a great job at. It's just these fantastic environmental parallax scrolling sprites and massive, massive sprites for the bosses and stuff. Not a bullet hell, but it's definitely hell. Uh, it's for sure gonna gonna put you to work trying to dodge bullets. And there's no screen bomb, so you have to actually be good at dodging. Um, and the stage environments later on get like extremely trippy. And like I said, they really amped up the acid and bath salts with this one. Um, they basically took all the psychedelic elements of their Darius games and said, you know what, let's, let's, uh, let's do a game where it's just this, um, one of the final bosses, uh, the moon comes out of the background and it's actually an egg and this golden salamander hatches from it and starts attacking you. Um, no, I'd, I'd highly recommend this to any Darius fan or anyone who's a fan of Taito games, but it's really difficult and kind of jarring to get used to. So if you're a shmup first-timer, definitely don't try starting with Metal Black. Uh, save this one for later. Uh, it, going price is more than 100 bucks on eBay, import only, so definitely burn it for that reason alone. I'll have to pick that one up. That one sounds really good. Music is insane, too. Uh, really fits the environment. So I gotcha. So, um... I want to talk about our final game, which is the famous In the Hunt. It was developed by Irem and released in Japan in 1995, and then North America in 1997 for both the Saturn and PS1. It was designed by Kazuma Kujo, who would go on to develop Metal Slug at Nazca Corporation, which ended up being rolled up into SNK, which is kind of ironic because uh, there's also another Irem uh, subsplit that actually made Last Resort, which is another SNK game, so it looks like... Uh, Looks like a pattern there. I'm not sure if that says anything bad about Irem or something good about SNK. But uh, uh, the thing is that the game, for those who play Metal Slug, it has a lot of Metal Slug vibes, like traversing through the stages, getting power-ups, fighting a large boss at the end, uh, having different power-ups and uh, different types of weapons you can find in the missions. Uh, I think Davey described it as Metal Slug in a sub. Yeah, the art style is unmistakable you know it's the same kind of art style and the sprites and the the way that they they just parts fall off and it's everything's animated it's really cool there's a lot of slowdown probably more than metal slug but uh yeah it's like metal slug underwater yeah definitely uh definitely if you like metal slug 2 which is another lag fest i definitely would uh you definitely enjoy this one for sure But actually, it's kind of funny. It came out like right before uh, Metal Slug 1 was released in Japan, and it came out a year after Metal Slug in North America. 
So it's it's kind of funny in that regards. But I, I guess you can think of it as the predecessor of Metal Slug, though. Right. Um. It's huh. Agreeing with you. I gotcha. Um. The uh, it basically you play in a sub and you just go through the levels and it has a few different firing modes. You can do straight missiles, missiles aimed up at the choppers above, or shoot all three of them at at the same time. So just have all of them going to shooting in every direction possible. But it's uh it's really fun. I I really like the mechanics of it. I was I'm not the best at it so far, but it like Metal Slug, I need to sit down and play it and sort of get the the vibe of it going and just practice it. So if you if you're used to that Metal Slug and memorizing the patterns and what the the sort of uh, timings are, I think you'll enjoy this a lot. But yeah, um, I will say the PlayStation version is smoother. It has mm-hmm. it has less slowdown, and I mean I I can appreciate slowdown to an extent in in shooters, but uh, but this is kind of like the really chuggy slowdown where when there's too many things on the screen, it just the frame rate drops. And uh, yeah. the PlayStation version, I have them both, and the PlayStation version does run better. I hate to say it, but I still like playing the Saturn version. And we were lucky um, that Coco Pele Studios decided to publish it in the West because it's one of the few shmups that we did get in the West. You know, that and Darius Gaiden, uh, and a, and a couple others I forget. But anyway, hell yeah, it's kind of cool because the thing I like most about it is the uh, is the intro the intro scene. It's so it's so vapor wavy and so nineties. Yes, that's the the, the dolphins swimming in the thing and that's shooting off. Definitely. So if, yes. if you guys are into this, uh, those aesthetics, I think you'd really enjoy the intro to the game for sure. I definitely just love. I think the biggest thing about it is that art style. How like all the enemies are kind of like super deformed tanks, you know, and stuff like that. It it just has that metal slug vibe going on. I mean, obviously because the the same artist, but yeah, yeah. And uh, it's two players as well, so. I actually had a game, well, it was last year now, I had a game night, uh, had a couple of uh, friends over, and uh, we ended up playing Metal Slug, and it's uh, quite cool to be able to play it. It's just like, uh, sorry, not Metal Slug, In the Hunt. It's pretty cool to be able to play it uh, with another human being. It's Humans are good. There is a bug that people should be aware of, though, with the with In the Hunt. Um, it won't boot up on a lot of consoles. I... I don't know if it has anything to do with the revision of console, but I the the easy fix I hear a lot of people say is just boot up your console with the controller unplugged. Um, some people say boot up the console with the controller plugged into the second player port, um, but there's a couple things you can do to try to get it to boot because there there are people that buy like legit retail copies and can't get it to boot on their system. That's, That's how you know there's a problem. Yeah, then uh, there's another game we talked about that had a similar issue, right? It was actually Croc. another shmup. Oh, well, there's a few on the Saturn that have issues like that. Like Croc has a weird uh, graphics glitch yeah. issue that can be fixed by mm-hmm. starting the game from the BIOS. Um, there's a few other weird games like that where you have to run around in circles to get it to boot correctly. <laughs> Yeah, I remember, I think Kay was telling us about it last, or the last time we did the vertical shmup, but I think there was another shmup where they actually released two versions of it. Soki Gurentai. Yeah, Soki Gurentai. Well, they had that, that same issue where it would yes. just not boot. 
the issue with uh, Sukio Gorendai was that they never expected it to go outside of Japan, and uh, therefore they didn't patch out the English version in the ROM. So it was hard-coded um, to look for the region switch jumpers on the machine it's played on. And if you had your, like, if you use an action replay cart to bypass region uh, lockout to play it on a U.S. Saturn, then you'd see the English text, but you wouldn't be able to get past, like, the second level. Gotcha. That's, that's what's interesting about the Saturn, just the revisions and stuff of that nature that just makes some some versions playable and others, like, not. It's really weird. Uh, in terms of in a hunt, though, I would, uh, if I had to say buy or burn, I would probably say buy. I think it'd be a nice complement to an, a copy of Metal Slug on the Saturn as well. It's just a really fun game. I think it's a, a ton of fun. It's the same Metal Slug formula and sort of that sort of get good pattern. So yeah, definitely would recommend it as a complement to that. Yeah. So some, um, I'm just, I was just checking into that bug, and it looks like it uh, on Satakure. It, it says that it's like a, it's an issue where certain consoles can't verify that it's a Saturn disc or something like that. So, and it just depends on the revision of your console. So what they're saying is, um, boot your machine with the disc out, and then pop it in, and then try to boot it, and to try to run it that way. But I've also I've also heard other people just um, have luck with booting the console without the controller in the port, and then putting the controller in in that. So I would try both of those things. I gotcha. Yeah. So looking online, it's uh, it looks like for a U.S. copy, it's about one it's about one thirty to one fifty, and for the Saturn, it's about uh, looks like it's a forty five to forty five to seventy five dollars, maybe a little bit cheaper. It depends on what you buy it for, but uh, and also take note we're recording this in the midst of the the great video game price increase. So a lot of stuff that's that we're talking about is expensive now, but it may or may not be in the future. But uh, you never know. At least we don't have seventy dollars copies of Super Mario Sunshine, so I guess we could be happy about that. We're actually the scalpers. That's kind of what we're getting at here. Yeah, we're we're, we're secretly we're secretly hyping up these games so we can sell them for more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's business strategy. Exactly. What did you? You said it was like one forty for the U.S. It, I'm seeing buy it now for one, like one thirty to one fifty. There's a there's a bid for one forty nine. That's crazy. That's I got I got it for sixty bucks. Like when we started this podcast, like two thousand seven. It used to be one of the cheaper games. Like back in so about like, an hour ago, you got it for sixty bucks. No, <laughs> when we started this podcast. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, like two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, around there, sixty bucks. So it's like more than doubled. That's a, some like that happened actually with a uh, with Kay when we I was doing a stream of uh, that zero or doozy, and he bought and and uh, uh, was it Johnny Amano wanted to buy a copy of that, and he bought. Kate bought it underneath, behind his, or like underneath him by mistake. Like while you guys were doing it live, I I grabbed it. It's pretty. And it was, it pretty was actually fun. because um, th- that was one of Emilio's friends was selling it, so he sold it to me like in person. Mm. Jeez, there was like the weirdest coincidence. You're like, hey, but, I know this guy. One of the things that I've noticed because I, like I was mentioning earlier with the you know, updates is that I've been doing a lot of uh, stuff for the redump project, uh, trying to get the last stragglers of Saturn games that need verifications. 
And um, there are games that we would have talked about three, four years ago that uh, would have been 50 to 100 bucks at that point. And I can't find them under 150 now. Uh, one case, um, I know we very briefly touched on it, I think, it was uh, that game Rabbit. It's like a fighting game. Yeah, yeah, we said it was like that. 50 bucks. We're like, oh yeah, it's cheap. Yeah. So I literally researched that last night trying to find a copy of it. And, and I'm not just looking at eBay. I'm looking at a, a whole bunch of different locations. And the lowest price I could find was Yahoo Japan for what equivalented to $150. Yeah, I, wow. I remember looking for that li- like looking for that in like late nineteen, and that was pretty high. I was like, "Dang!" So if you guys yeah. didn't go out and buy those games when we told you to, it's on you. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, though, we have great people like Kay that are making it possible that you so you don't have to do that. That's so. right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, so Kay. yeah. Yes, thank you, Kay. Absolutely. But yeah, the uh, yeah, I I just want to say though, like it. I've gotten a few, um, and I know that we closed out the, the U.S. Saturn set in December um, for the Redump Project, where uh, everything except for uh, Screams 2 had been dumped. Now that I acquired, um, thanks very much to the gentleman on Reddit uh, who sold me the disc, um, but you know, now that Screams 2 has been dumped, Redump has been able to you know, catalog the entirety of the U.S. set, demos included, samples included. And it's not, like, just me. When we're talking a a large amount of people who are dedicated to the idea of preservation, Um, and some of these guys are not, uh, they don't have the system that they're buying it for. I want to throw a quick shout-out because of this to uh, Scott Wiggums, known as Wiggy2K. Uh, He is currently doing uh, FM Towns Marty, he doesn't own an FM, or excuse me, not, not FM Towns, Marty, FM Towns. He doesn't even own the system, and he spent thousands of dollars to preserve these games so that, you know, they're in these databases and people can verify that they have legitimate copies. Jeez, that's, 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 that's a heck of a system to collect for, too. That's not a, uh, that's, that system's not for the fan of heart for collecting, so prompts. Yep. There's a one on eBay right now for I want to say sixteen hundred dollars, seventeen hundred dollars, like an Ooh. FM Towns two. Wow! And I saw the same model go on Yahoo Japan literally, uh, gosh, what fourteen hours ago for one hundred and twenty five dollars. Um, nowhere near the same condition, but it's shipping from Japan. So, if you can't find a, an import game in in America or on American eBay and other sites. Go on Yahoo Auctions Japan. I mean, it used to be hard to navigate and work with the sellers, but now you can buy them through Buy-E. They, I guess they work with them, and you can actually buy them on Yahoo Auctions Japan and have it imported to your house. I mean, it's a little bit more expensive, but, I mean, if it's something like that, I mean, you're saving th- hundreds of dollars, if not over $1,000. I mean, yeah, it sounds worth it to me, especially for that stuff. There also are uh, a crop of eBay sellers in the U.S. that have started re- offering more and more Japanese import stuff. I've noticed um, they kind of dedicate themselves to importing stuff over and then selling it at a reasonable price. It's about as much as you would pay to do the whole proxy thing. So, Yeah, and there's also people on Facebook that are sellers that either sell for a little bit higher or... 
True. whatever but i mean you can you can find them on facebook quite a bit there's quite a lot of sellers especially in the groups but yeah i, I guess those are the the sure hunting tips for game collectors and the covid crisis all right guys so uh before we go we want to plug the sega saturn 26th anniversary game competition uh dr emerald nova is actually hosting a development competition so uh either fan translations uh original games or whatever you want to develop for the Saturn, uh, having a, co- a contest uh, to see who can actually develop the most intense. So this is sort of drum up some hype and s- sort of the Saturn development community so we can get it to the level as almost the Dreamcast and have even some regular releases. I mean, uh, people that, that were sort of, that that competed last year were people like, uh, like of, of course, uh, of course, Trekkies Unite and, and the XL2, which were fan translations in their original game respectively um and there's going to be several judges that will judge uh, i know dave dave myself and nick are judges in the competition so the competition will start on september 1st 2020 for the submissions and you have to have them upload and submitted by january 1st 2021 the judging for the games will start on january 15th 2021 and the winners will be announced on january 16th 2021 in a live stream so yeah, if you guys are interested in maybe developing or something of that nature, or developing or learning about it, submit it and uh, let's see what you guys got. Uh, the top three entries in the original games category will receive $25, $15, and $10. The top entries in the hacks, patches, and translation category will receive $20. And the top three entries from both categories will receive a 3D printed item from the list below. Sega CD, Sega Saturn, uh, Sega Saturn Battery Door, Sega Saturn Controller Stand, Saturn display logo, or an ODA tray insert. So yeah, if you guys are interested in uh, checking it out and making some games or something, definitely submit it. We'd love to play all of them. And uh, personally, I will I will be playing each game and sort of streaming it. So if you really want to be on the show and have your game and show off what you guys got, uh, let us know and submit an a, a entry and we'll play it live. I right, thank you guys for listening to the cast. We had a really good time today, and I actually really enjoyed uh, recording the, the horizontal shmups. It's actually really great to have that complement the vertical shmups. So uh, with that said, thank you for listening, and remember, you must play Sega Saturn. And blast your frustrations on some mechanical crustaceans. That's right. A giant mechanical space fish will come for you if you don't play your Sega Saturn. <laughs> I really like your term bedroom coder because that makes me think about what kind of pillow talk would a bedroom coder have? He would be obviously talking in an assembly.
<laughs> oh, you're so sexy. Uh, move up, move up to position five. Give you some machine code. That's nasty. <laughs> you dog. Well, I guess, I guess I'm gonna have to write this. I'm gonna have to mark this in an explicit cast. <laughs> well, I think we might have our outtake, gentlemen. <laughs> I think we might. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh... Uh, just a quick FYI, Ben, we just all got to see your cat's butthole. So you know, it was was it you, Pat, that was saying that the further you get, the harder it gets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, quite literally. The thing is that the no the thing about it is that the game's hard from the beginning. It stays hard. It's <laughs> Once you once you take it, you it starts. It stays hard for about eight to ten hours, which wow. is about the amount of gameplay that it is. Honestly, right. though, it's, got it's, some, it's like, lasting eight, eight to ten hours. Yeah, it's I think definitely I, got some HR Geiger stuff going on in there. Yeah, I got some. At, at what point do we have this in the outtakes? Right. Oh no, this is main yeah. cast. Main yeah, cast material. The whole, the whole thing, baby. This is it. Main cast material. Uh, there goes the main... Apple family friendly logos, right? Oh, yeah. No, this oh, is getting, we never... e, getting a little E next to that title. But yeah. Nick already it's... dropped like five F bombs. Yeah. Did they really? Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. It's cool. It would have been funny if you were like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I was ready <laughs> for that too. It's like, damn. But, uh, oh. but yeah, anyways, back to the creepy game. <laughs> 